Well, hi everybody and welcome to um, another uh, Ipswich Town, my favourite Ipswich Town 11. I don't want to say Ipswich Town twice there, but there you go. That doesn't matter. It's all part of the intro. Um, I'm Mike Bacon and uh, well, this feature is, 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 are you loving it? I, I'm really pleased. I'm really pleased. I was, I, I'm going to tell you, yeah, I'm going to say it was my idea because it was my idea. So I'm not going to everyone else claim it. I don't see why they should, but um, you know, seriously, everyone seems to be loving this feature with all the different, the different, the different eras we're covering. You know, we're up to date. We're back to the 60s. We've been right the 60s right up to here and um and well, as I said, I keep getting stuck. I get stopped. I told you about to be stopping the vets the other day. Well, I'll, be, I'll stop the last, what, what was it, a couple of days ago? And I was in the post office. Would you believe? I know, yeah, we have the post office, local post office. The guy says, I love your favourite 11, Mike. And um, I said, well, it's not my favourite 11. But that was, um, you know, that was Ross Hall's. And he said, yes. He said, well, it was a strange one. I said, well, Ross, Ross was pretty good. I said, we mustn't, mustn't knock him down. But anyway, so nice that you're enjoying it. And well, here we are again, another another week, another guest, and uh, well, this guest is, uh, is, is this guy is a man who, um, well, he, he's he's used to being the other side of the pod. You see, he's he's, used to, he's part of the Blue Monday podcast team, and he he's usually asking the questions, and now he's got to sit there and, and be asked questions. He's going to find it very uncomfortable if I start asking him all sorts of strange things about his I don't know dietary habits and all this. Well, I won't do, of course, because it's about football. But you know, if I was to, he would be, be sort of all over the place. But no, look, he's a, he's a he does a great job on that podcast, and he's, of course, big Ipswich Town fan. He's going to tell us all about it um when he started when he done when he when he first started going and of course um we've got his favorite town 11 coming up this would be very interesting it's mr rich woodward from blue monday podcast as i said rich lovely to see you on this uh this fine morning i mean obviously my my, my shutters i heard you my on the pod the other day my shutter man graham was in these he's put some pop uh, some shutters up um yeah do you like them yeah good yeah, how, how are you rich i'm very good yeah I, it's this is kind of the the busy bit of the pre-busy bit if that makes sense of the season so plenty for us to talk about kits and pre-season friendlies and we were chatting about speedway so it's a it's a fun time plenty to chat about and as you say yeah really uncomfortable being the other side so we use the same recording stuff as you guys and i'm used to having so many more buttons and things i can press so um you'll have to forgive me if you hear me clicking a mouse it's just kind of useful it's just habit so um no thank you for having me on you're obviously running out of important people to talk to so i'm happy to i'm happy to fill up uh, the the rest of the, the best of the rest as it were Oh, you got it in one, Rich. Yeah, but no, you're not, not. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Okay, we had a little chat about Speedway as well, Rich. That was very nice. We off pod. We had a little quick little Speedway catch up there, which was very impressive. I always like that when when my guests know a bit about Speedway, which is, which is fantastic. So, uh, but anyway, look, it's not about Speedway. It's about Ipswich Town, and it's about my favourite Town Eleven. And uh, Rich, well, look, hey, tell us, tell us, when did this love affair with with the Blues begin? Then, Rich, when, where, and how? Yeah, so unofficially, um, I, I got into some trouble a few years ago on Twitter when I kind of bemoaned people taking their like newborn kids to football um, and my dad was never ever going to go down that route so my first game off I think it was eight or nine but what he did really cleverly was he'd go to games and bring me back a program and and this kind of mystical world that existed behind closed doors you just want to find more out more and more about it and then you start this will age me and um, maybe give a few insights as well to my team. You start collecting pro set cards and you start doing Merlin sticker albums and then suddenly the interest is there. So yeah, that was a few years before my first game, which was in the 91, 92 season. So I couldn't have picked a better one to start mm. with. And it was Liverpool in the FA cup, nil, nil, very windy day. Walkie hit the bar. We should have won. And obviously, probably more famously was the replay or the, yeah, the replay at Anfield and 3-2 after extra time with some controversy in there. But yeah, that was it. Hooked. And then ever since, yeah, 
God, some 20 years on, is it? I'm trying to do the maths. Yeah, probably about that. Mm. Still going strong. Excellent. That's a, that's a cracking, yeah, of course, that's a, that's a cracking. Um, well, the, the new draw home wasn't that cracking, but certainly the replay was. Uh, yeah. that, that, that little period, that, those couple of games there in the in the FA Cup, it really told a lot about that season, I thought, um, um, Rich. I mean, I know you're very young, obviously, but I mean, it, 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 you know, we obviously won the one promotion that season. And, you know, it's it sort of like, that FA Cup, you know, just all this because we have all now. Quick question: all this stuff about you can't have a promotion drive and you got to throw all the cups away just to concentrate on the league. That was a classic year where it's exactly what we didn't do. And we still got promotion. Thoughts? Yeah, yeah. And we've I've spoken to Simon Milton about this on Blue Monday, and and he was almost of the opposite school, which is that cup run. Their form got better. They went on winning runs before every tie of the round, and then rocked up at Anfield with no fear. And you kind of think, well, this is the kind of place that if we want to get promoted, we're going to need to go to. Yeah. Man, what confidence that would have given. I know the squads weren't as big um, back in 91, 92, but I'm of the school of thought. I know they're the League Cup maybe to a lesser extent, but take the Cups seriously because it's, it's no such thing as kind of an uncompetitive game. You've, you learn something. You, um, you get confidence if you're a team out of form. And the, the, the way that we've approached the Cup particularly in the Marcus Evans era, is pretty depressing, frankly. And I'm hopeful that this season under Kieran McKenna, you know, we might get a trip to Wembley if we win the Pizza Cup, the Johnson, whatever it is. You know, it's one of the one of six or seven teams that have never been to Wembley, the new Wembley. You know, this, this is a, the kind of stuff where memories are made in the Cup, you know, not finishing 11th in League One or what have you. So I'm of the school of thought that give the Cup your attention, you know, treat, treat it with respect. Hopefully we will this season. Well, I hope so, uh, Rich, because I mean, quite frankly, the last decade has been an absolute shambles of not treating yes. the cup with respect. It's got absolutely nowhere. I mean, we might as well just do it just for the sake of just doing it, really. We don't need an excuse as to what it might do. It, quite frankly, has not worked not doing, not taking the cup seriously. So, hey, let's take the cup seriously and see what happens. Exactly right. And I've got players in here. I'm, I'm thinking one in particular. It's a League Cup moment. But these are the, I, these are the goals that I think back on you know, when we're playing Chelsea or Man United in the mid-90s, you know, I've got um, a goalkeeper who famously made amazing saves in, I think it was the third or fourth round that was on and, and interviewed on Match of the Day by John Watson afterwards. So typically your memories actually come yeah. from from doing quite well in the League Cup as opposed to if you're not going to get promoted, doing quite well and finishing mid-table in the league. So, yeah, I think we ag- agree on that one, Mike. Absolutely, we certainly do. We look forward to the the Papa John's Trophy far later in the season. That's one of the exactly one of the uh, one the of the key fixtures. I like to, I like to identify when the fixtures come out. The Papa John's Trophy final, I think it's in April sometime. Anyway, look, that's enough of all that. We're getting now to Richard's favourite town eleven. That's why we're here. And uh, well, Richard, look, hey, you can give us a little formation if you want. I mean, for some people like formations. I personally hate them. Don't mean nothing to me. But a lot of people love a good formation and and then get formation and then perhaps we'll start with the goalkeeper, obviously. Yeah, well, I I just watched when we record this Rob Chandler's one, which frankly <laughs> is going to put my in terms of personnel a little bit to shame. But it's kind of slim pickings in respect of um, not having the Robson or the Ramsey era to, at my disposal. Um, but I'm not going to go for his trusted two four four formation. Um, and this is kind of where the football manager nerd in me kind of comes out. I've I've gone for a system. I'm going for a four at the back, but there are a few. Yeah, there's one position where I'm a little bit, I'm probably doing a disservice to two players, I think, just to crowbar them in. So we've got a four at the back and I've tried to spread it out across the eras that I've seen. So hopefully a tick in the box for at least most management eras, though possibly not with one um, and a few 
bench options, I think, to deal with that situation. So let's start at the back. And um, again, a few good options here. Um, but my first, my first Ipswich keeper, my first ever Ipswich Town autograph, the nicest man I think I've ever met in person as a footballer, Craig Forrest is in mm. nets, the Canadian man mountain. The um, Yeah, lovely guy. Um, probably um, has bad memories of Ipswich Town being in that defence that was maybe getting on a little bit in the 93, 94, 94, 95 seasons and definitely um, couldn't have done a huge amount about the goals at Old Trafford in 94, 95, but just kind of a last line of defence. But as I said, as a kind of, I guess I would have been nine, eight or nine around, it was a similar era to when I did my first game. As I say, Craig Forrest came and did a trophy award ceremony at my primary school. And basically the entire school queued up to get his autograph. And I vividly remember saying thank you to him for signing my scrap of paper. And I think I was probably one of the only ones who said thank you. And he replied very politely back. So I, I always remember that. You always first autograph, but just generally a great guy and great kits as well, Mike. I, you, yeah. As you can see behind me, I'm one, one yeah. of my kits, but the the grey kind of multicoloured jobby, the green one. Yeah, Cray Forest for me in goal. Mm, absolute gent, as you say, Rich. That's the thing. I think we've both done podcasts with him over the recent years. We have done back when it, back in Ipswich. Um, I remember speaking to him last year about something, and he's just he's still so great, such great affection still for our club. It's lovely. It's like you said, gentle giant. And a very funny story because he was telling me that when he moved to Ipswich, he actually moved just off Napton Road in Ipswich um, when he stayed in Diggs. It was only literally two hundred yards from my house. I never knew at the time, but it's bizarre, isn't it? He's, he was saying, and I said, "What do you mean that road off?" He goes, "How do, how do you know that?" Because that's my Canadian accent. <laughs> and um, I said. Well, I actually used to live just in Phoenixstone. Well, Phoenixstone Road. Anyway. But yeah, absolute gentleman. Very good goalkeeper. See, we talk about a gentleman upper. Fantastic goalkeeper, Rich. Yeah, or well, short stopper as well. So that mm. we were talking about the cups. The um, the I think I've so I, I occasionally post goal footage on Twitter um under the hashtag ITFC goal machine. I started in sympathy to goalkeepers, putting goalkeeping saves up from ITFC moments in the past, and I put up some saves that he made at Wolves away in the FA Cup. I think it was 93-94, and we were struggling to get past, at the time, second division Wolves, I think it was, or second tier, certainly. And he's making these unbelievable saves. I mean, to an extent, and maybe he'd, he'd put his hands up camera saves, but he's still acrobatically keeping us in this cup tie and does a fabulous interview with John Watson afterwards. So, yeah, and as I said before, the last line of defence, you know, this... Mm. The, the defence in front of him had done really well to get us promoted, but it largely remained the same. And there's some old, tired yeah, legs in there by yeah. the time we get relegated in 94-95. And to be fair to Craig Forrest, he's doing his absolute best to keep us in the division. But frankly, there's a bit of dysfunction about, ahead of him. And yeah, but I just remember for such a big guy as well, these acrobatic saves. Yeah. So good. Great choice. Great choice, Richard, the goalkeeper. And as you say, well, yeah, and then they Craig Forrest, part of a promotion-winning team here at Portman Road. We haven't had that many promotions over our over our illustrious history. We've had some good ones. We haven't had that many. Um, so he's part of that. Right. Go on, then. You've got a back four, you say, Rich. Yeah, so my back four, are, are, um, yeah, a little bit worried about my centre-back pairing. And this is the one I struggle with the most. But And I'll put this out there. So please reply um, in the comments below if, if, if I've missed anyone here. But uh, 91, 92 onwards, remember. I can't find a quick centre-back who it hasn't got an error in him, Mike. And so, therefore, my back 
two are a little bit slow, but either side of them, there is pace and dynamism. So left to right, I'm going Cresswell, Aaron Cresswell, Jason DeVos, another Canadian general joiner. What is it about the Canadians? They're just too nice, aren't they? Um, but yeah, certainly a bit of a bruiser at centre-back. Alongside him, first yard in the head, could see the trouble coming. John McGreal alongside wow. him. And to the right, again, the dynamism and maybe covering the back if they're a little bit flat-footed. Maurizio Tarico, Mike. Oh. Oh, so cool. there is some there is some combativeness in there. There is a bit of creativity as well. I like my fullbacks to bomb on. Um, and what I love about Cresswell is set pieces. I'm a big fan of a quality set piece taker. Dangerous balls could score a few as well. And I think possibly isn't a name maybe that you've had so far. And I was trying to find someone from the kind of mid Marcus Evans era and, and Cresswell is a rare example. I think maybe my a previous incarnation of this team had another player in John Walters who um, maybe not a huge amount was known or expected of them, but suddenly they blossomed at Ipswich mm. and went on to have really illustrious careers at the top flight. And for me, part of being an Ipswich fan is knowing that we are sometimes not the final destinations for players when they reach their peak. And what Cresswell has done for West Ham, and I think briefly for England, actually gives me a good sense of pride so Cresswell DeVos McGrill and Tarico. there you go that's brilliant well Cresswell's terrific he's done terrifically well and um and, and never forgot his Ipswich roots I remember talking to Stuart Watson obviously our chief sports writer and he used to be at phone Cresswell when he was at West Ham he'd always have time to talk to us which is lovely and still probably would have if we if we asked well okay that's Cresswell let's talk about the, the centre half then John McGrill you see now I'm a great John McGrill fan mainly because there's two reasons firstly when I was a coach at Woodbridge Town I coached his son uh young Max who was uh who probably gained absolutely nothing from my coaching whatsoever but John was often there sort of help always popped in and says lovely lovely man John absolutely lovely man and a very class footballer rich very class yeah footballer. again underrated and and you know the memories that i think about are, are you know mcgrill obviously came in, in the 99 2000 season and was part of that promotion team but actually blossomed in the premier league there were a lot of yeah. players yeah. in that team who at a level up stepped it up even further and i, I just remember mcgrill scoring goals um, against Everton and his face when he scored they headed in that free kick at Goodison which you know we we got the draw against United that kind of set that season alight but wins at Goodison you know 3-0 um, really gave us that confidence and mm -hmm. the best thing about McGrill was you kind of got that intensity but such a good reader of the game you know good centre-backs for me you know he, he was never going to be the quickest but he knew where to be he could read the game and I think both he and DeVos have that kind of that instinct, that defender's instinct in spades. And so that's why I kind of went for him. I, again, the, the thought crossing my mind was, you know, I, I could have put Titus in there in my back too. I remember that again, 2000, uh, 90, yeah, not 2000, 2001 season where he burst on the scene yeah, as well. I just think McGreal had that consistency and also alongside DeVos, just real leadership qualities as well. Let's just say back to Voss. Just quickly going back to former McGrill. I'm watching Luke Wolfenden these days dribbling the ball out of defence slightly, and he's quite getting bigger and stronger, Luke. And part of me sees a little bit of McGrill in him when he's doing that sort of stuff because McGrill's comfortable on the ball. Um, I mean, Wolfenden obviously dribbled halfway up the pitch at Rotherham last season, which I don't think I remember McGrill doing that. But do you know, do you know what I mean? McGrill, because McGrill's at it to which town, of course, still is the under 23, so he's still there. You know, I wonder if they have a chat because I see little things in Wolfenden these days getting a lot more confident on the ball, isn't he? And McGrill was that man. Yeah, I, 
completely agree. Uh, I'm, you know, there's quite a few, I think maybe a goal at Portsmouth. I'm, I'm struggling to remember there, but he did have that attacking side of his brain as well. Yes. But I think what Wolfenden has done really well, and you know, there was a point, uh, you know, this time last year potentially where Wolfenden's days at Ipswich were numbered. And now yeah. you think he's probably our, our, one of our highest value players, mm. you know, and I think if he, if he increases that, the defensive mind in this bit as well. Cause I think, as you say, creatively, I think he's probably up there with some of the best def- center back creatively in the EFL potentially, you know, mm. that's, that's, the, that's what we've got in our hands here. But I think, yeah, what McGreal had, but maybe Wolfen doesn't yet have is just that leadership aspect. You know, Wolfen is a great player in the team, but I think to go to the next stage, it's, it's, I need to be a talker on the pitch. I need to instruct and tell people where to be. I think that's maybe where Wolfenden still has a bit of time to develop. And he's, blimey, he's only young, isn't he? Yeah. And that's where I think McGreal was certainly didn't have all of Wolfenden's attacking sensibilities, but possibly another attribute that I think is really important for a centre-back, which is communication. Mm. And Voss, the big man, Voss, yeah. lovely man, lovely. Another, like, you're right. You say about that. What is about the Canadians? But I mean, good, strong player, wasn't he, Rich Voss? Yeah, it's just a shame that maybe we got him as his career was starting yeah. to tail off a bit. And, and I always feel there's two players that I feel really sorry for, captaining Ipswich and not getting the success they deserve. One is one is Luke Chambers, yeah. and, and I really feel sorry for him that his time at Ipswich kind of came at a real low ebb, and yeah. he was one who tried to help us swim against the tide that was that relegation in 1819. And um, but Jason DeVos is another one, 0506, is it, or 0405, where you know, we should have gone up automatically. What a great leader he was in that team. Um, maybe starting to lose a little bit of pace, not that he mm. had masses of it to begin mm. with, but just had that, like McGreal, that instinct, that that nowhere to be and could always pop up and score a header in from a set piece as well, which is something that I, throughout this team, set pieces is something that I I love. I don't know. I'm a bit of a set piece nerd, and the last few years have just so frustrated with me the lack of goals. DeVos would always score you a goal from a free kick or a corner. Yeah, so I'd, I'd, yeah, absolutely. You're not you're not wrong there. And uh, DeVos was uh, very much a, a good man with his head as McGreal. So you got a couple of good centre halves with the heads there. And of course, we finish off your. Def- uh, we have a whole podcast on Maurizio Tarico. <laughs> I mean, oh, what a what a player. I mean, how could we? How could you? How could we not love? Came here as an absolute nobody and ended up absolute hero, wasn't he, Rich? Go on, Maurizio Tarico. He's your fourth man in your defence. Yeah, and he can play either side. To be fair to him as well, yeah. I, I I love a player who can. And we'll talk about another one of those in a second. Um, but he could play either side. But the, the reason he's in there, apart from the the very um, good reasons that you've talked about there, is I kind of, my favourite 11 is tinged with a little bit of sadness and depression, which it has to be as a football fan, right? Mm. My my history is, is <laughs> I've, I've got um, two promotions, I think, and maybe some FA Cup and League Cup semifinals. That's the kind of extent of my Ipswich Town um, uh, watching time as a supporter. And so probably the things that I reflect on more is the disappointment. And I remember the entirety of the town or maybe the county of Suffolk just being in absolute depression when David Cheapshanks had to kind of sell Tariko to Spurs. I remember being at school and um, tech, I think we might have had phones by then, possibly not. But just reading the paper, you guys at the time were just, it was just like a lament, a whole like all of us were just utterly depressed that you know it was inevitable you know we've we've sold players before and we'll sell them in the future and it will be you know ahead of when we wanted them to leave and Tariko is one of those where I kind of reflect as a my favorite 11 has to be tinged with 
disappointment and sadness as well because that's that's the rich tapestry of football but when he left utter depression because you kind of thought he's the kind of catalyst that that gets us that promotion and we still got in the playoffs but man he would have taken us maybe a little bit further who knows and he just got it didn't he he just oh. got it as a player he just got what the fans wanted he just knew what we wanted he we we hate norwich we hate sheffield all this sort of stuff he knew what the fans didn't like he and he he grabbed that with he he loved it did his goal against norwich i remember well i mean he scored once or twice i can't remember just the light in his face yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think maybe there's a bit of a of uh, ipswich town footballer's brain that suddenly turns on when you score against norwich because it it yeah. does matter more and yeah. once you understand that i think it's ingrained there forever and obviously, as football supporters, Ipswich Town supporters, we talk about those goals. You know, again, a player that was I hadn't thought about until now, who maybe is on my bench, who scored against Norwich, and I thought was massively underrated, was John Stead. That goal against Norwich when he took <laughs> yeah. his shirt off, and you know, players like that who suddenly get, you know, Alan Quinn scored in that game as well. Geo mm. scored, I think, who get enshrined in Ipswich Town history for scoring against Norwich. Tariko is in that illustrious list, but obviously. He did much more than just score against Norwich. And, and in terms of this 11 and noting who's alongside him in the centre-back positions, he's got the engine to get up and down. And that goal against Crystal Palace, isn't it? The cheaters yeah. on the plains of the Serengeti. I think the commentator said. <laughs> oh, what wonderful, wonderful script, Rich. I mean, I'm enjoying I'm this. Sti- I'm stealing that. I'm stealing that. That's, that's um, doesn't again, matter. Another... Doesn't, you don't, we, don't, we, we steal everything. Don't trademark, worry. Don't... Trademark would, yeah, Rich would. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rich. So there you go. Your goal in your back four. Go on then. Who are they? Just let's just, so we're all up to date with it, where we are. Yeah, so Craig Forrest in goal, our back four, or my back four, Cresswell, DeVos, John McGreal, Maurizio Tarico. Perfect. Right. So there's your back four. Right. Move the midfield. What are you going for? Are you, did you say a 4 4 2 at the start? I can't remember what you said now. Yeah, I, I think said. I've already changed. It's, it's possibly You've changed formation four, already. 4 3 3. We're going with the 4 oh, 3 3. Four, three. It was a four in the back. Always a four in the back, but it's a 4 3 3 slash 4 5 1. What I have got, and I said I'm a football manager nerd, is I even recreate the champ man 0102. I'll have to tweet this later. I've created the how the tactic screen looked. It's so sad, but I'm going with it. We love it. We love it, Rich. You carry on. Go on. Yeah. Then, right. Who are your three in the middle? Who are your three in the middle of the park? So my my screen for the back four slash, um, I think just roaming defensive midfielder. And this is the first player that's probably I'm doing a disservice to, is Mickey Stockwell. I had to put Mickey Stockwell in there again. One of the nicest people you ever want to meet, but could play in any position. Um, you know, my memories of him. The, the goal against Wimbledon where he basically became George Weyer briefly, but would just <laughs> run his socks off for the entire game. You know, one of the, another memories kind of towards the end of his career, 99, 2000, I think he scores a really lovely volley against Charlton and the whole team celebrate with him. That's how important he was, you know, an Ipswich guy as well. So he had to be in there. I kind of crowbarred him in a little bit, but he's in there just above, ahead of my back four, Again, and then my two centre backs maybe lack a bit of pace. I mean, the thing is, the mixed stock was great, was it? Because I mean, you look at the top ten. If you ever look at top ten Ipswich all-time periods, he's always that guy that you think people must. But a lot of people go mixed stock. Well, you know, he was that. He's a he's a legend. I mean, the, what he did for our club, the games he played. I mean, did he played six hundred off like five hundred four. Like yeah, he played hundreds, and and it's just and. You know, he just goes under the radar all the time. And yet, bizarrely, Rich, you're not the first person to have him in your team. In fact, you'll probably, I would say 50% of people we've done so far put him in their team. So there you go. Perhaps he hasn't gone under the radar quite as much as we thought. No. And and again, it's an acknowledgement. He's really unfortunate to be a, a pro coming through just before the big money kind of 
hit the game because now he'd you know he'd be a really sought uh, yeah. a mixed Stockwell from the early nineties would be highly sought after. You know he's because he, he can play every position, he can score goals, he can defend. Yeah. You know you can't you know find these players all over the place. These these are really rare, unique yeah. kind of players. And but I think probably what gave him the edge and what endeared him to to us was. This, you know, this is his team, you know, and mm. got a lovely Suffolk accent when you when you interview him, you know, that's what you want as well. You want you want people who've come through from the area to be given an opportunity. And therefore I had to have someone from I think he there's two Ipswich people. I, th- I don't know if he was is Nicky Stockwell Ipswich born, possibly. Yeah, I think he's certainly a very local lad, yeah. I mean definitely, I mean, definitely. So he's um, been Ipswich a long time. So yeah, yeah, so basically if he isn't, he's as good as. So mm. He's in my team for that. And as I say, he's kind of in a defensive midfield position there, but I would expect him to be roaming all over the place, wherever he wants to go. He certainly has. I think part of anything else, Mickey's been in for other people's teams. So I think at right back, left back, strikers and everything else. That's the thing about him, you see. So he's wonderful. Yeah. So, right. Brilliant. Mick Stock was in there. Who, right, who's alongside him in that middle of the park then, or in the middle of the field, in midfield? Yeah, I mean, this was the easiest bit for me. Really? To, no good. time at all. Um, Jim Bajil and Matt Holland. I mean, oh. I don't. I probably can just leave it at that, Mike. Tell you what, that is those two boys. Those two guys were terrific, weren't they? Absolutely yeah. fantastic footballers. Fantastic for Ipswich Town. I mean, and two completely different sort of um, personalities. But yeah, I mean, you, you don't. You don't even want to say anything, do you? You, you? Just left it. I don't blame you. I mean, you could just leave it. Mic drop. It's a mic um, drop. Yeah, I mean, I, I I will talk briefly about it. I, the Jim Adjutin signing was one of the ones that made me the excitest, the excitedest. There's Good a word. new word. I'm going with that as well. But when that loan became permanent, that was one of the, when you kind of thought, yeah, we've got, you know, that loan spell, I remember the game, final game of the season at home, Sheffield United 4-1, I think. Adjutin was, it was kind of a precursor to his hat-trick game against Bolton yeah. the season afterwards in the playoffs where single-handedly he was going to get us across the line. Now, results went against us that day, but yeah, he just set the bar so high. I mean, he would have probably wound up his fellow um, teammates a little bit, I'm sure, but it's only because he cares so much. He sets such high standards for both himself and those around him. And, and our, just, our level elevated just having him in the, the team and what you get is creativity. You get a few goals. You can also take a set piece. What my first away game, again, kind of talking about late bloomers, my my first away game was Charlton, you know, um, Charlton away in 99-2000 when we beat them 3-1. They were winning the, um, they'd won the title um, and we're getting the trophy at the Valley and we needed to win to make sure that the, the uh, second position spot went to the last day. And again, Majorton scored a free kick, I think, to set us off up and running that day. Um, that was a great, one of my great memories of sporting Ipswich first away day. Um, but yeah, I think Majorton just set that tone. And then alongside him, if you want someone to set an example in terms of hard work, in terms of attitude, in terms of leadership, but just being a quality footballer as well. You know, we often forget that Madeline played in a World Cup for Republic of Ireland, scored goals, went on to have a really good career with Charlton, much again to our depression, probably sold on the cheap when we were an admin. But Mr. Ipswich, Captain Fantastic, you know, he's going to go around the perimeter and give everyone a round of applause after the match. What a great guy. And, and you know, I'm sure still calls Ipswich's team. We've spoken to him a few times. I'm sure you guys have as well. And um, just the nicest person you could ever speak to and, and a real big part. You know, another kind of low 
what a great signing as well. Low on the yeah. radar, possibly. Um, you know, good spot from Burley at Bournemouth. Um, but what a player he turned out to be from those kind of low starting points. Maybe, you know, he was at West Ham, so he's, he was always going to have yeah. quality. But yeah, just what he achieved for Ipswich, first and foremost. Um, and those memories of 90,000 through to Windsor Anfield and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Matt Holland's got to be in there. I mean, I find this really interesting, Rich, because obviously I'm doing this with a lot of this favourite talent, with lots of people of different, you know, different eras, and obviously a lot of people go back to Hunter and Beatty and even back to Ray Crawford. So, and you're coming from a, a new, a new era, and it's lovely for me because I've, well, that shows my age, really, quite frankly. I seem to have watched all these players from Hunter Beatty. So, gosh, I, I, I think I wear quite well for someone who's only 36. But I mean, anyway, I mean, apart from that, I mean. I mean, Jim Jill. See, I always I liked Jim a lot. Did a lot of interviews with him when I was in the I was on the green, and and um, I always felt his time was with Ipswich was rather sort of tinged with sadness when he, he left the, the way he left as the manager, where he was sort of you know sacked basically as, as manager. And I, I I'm always desperate to hope people didn't ever that's all they remembered him for. And you just saying you don't remember him for that. You remember him for the player, and and I think that's that's how he'd want to be remembered. He did all right as a manager. Don't get me wrong, not so, but he still finished disappointing for him and certainly it was all good you know a bit, bit of a shame so you remember him as the player same with Matt Holland Matt Holland what a great guy we all remember him as the player you know and we remember him so he wasn't when people say bit sort of you know not quite sort of in your face type player but we still remember what a great player he was and they both were of course yeah I'm, on, on Magilton I, I think probably my reflection on the end of his managerial tenure was more of an indictment on how Marcus Evans, you know, that was right at the start of the Marcus Evans era, era and basically set the tone for what yeah, followed, yeah, you know. Yeah. I, I'm kind of, I'm not, I don't kind of buy into kind of karmic retribution, but you kind of feel like if you treat people the way that Marcus Evans kind of treated Jimmy Jordan towards the end, mm. then you kind of reap what you sow a little bit there. And mm. again, I, I I know probably I look back on, on the Majewan managerial era maybe a little bit blue tinted spectacles. At that point, I wasn't going to every game. I'd moved away from the area. I was up in the middle, and so I wasn't going every week. Um, but someone who was massively motivated to succeed and mm. and someone who got us really close and I thought possibly deserved a little bit further to, you know, with, with the budget to try and do more. But um, but as a player, yeah, I, I just think just set that bar so high. Matt Holland, people forget Matt Holland just kind of turned up at big moments to turn games in our favour mm. and just get... For me, Matt Holland's in the team because, like Mickey Stockwell, he's going to run. You know that he's going to cover every blade of grass. You know, there's, a, there's a game I re- recall, 1990,000, where Matt Holland, I think, is basically on his on his sick bed all week with flu or something like that. And we've got Forrest on Sky on on a Sunday. This is kind of autumn time, I think, in the 1990,000 season. Matt Holland never misses a game, basically. He never gets suspended and all that kind of stuff. Rocks up, gets through this game white face white as a sheet and mm. and gets on the end of a, a kind of a move to to tap in the goal the goal that gives us the win one of our rare wins at, at the count uh, city ground so that's the kind of player that he is and that's why he's got to be in the team and, and i think people forget those kind of moments where he gets those goals you know bolton playoffs the year before we go up you know there's some good goals in there yeah leaders on the pitch that's what we need mm. And things with Matt Holland, of course, there's, a, there's always sort of this sort of idea that you that only the best players have to have that nasty streak and they have to have this nasty sort of, that's what makes them great players. Well, Matt Holland proved you don't have to have a nasty streak. You just have to be worked damned hard. You've just got to be a talented footballer. You can still put, he's still putting plenty of tackles. Don't fret yourself. And he still put his head in where it had to be. But overall, a damn nice guy. And of course, a brilliant footballer, which is 
wise in there. Right. So brilliant. So so there we so there, so you've got those three midfielders there, Holland, Majorton and Stockwell. I, I like that. So that's Stockwell. So I suppose Majorton are playing just in front of Stockwell. Yeah, I've got Stockwell just sitting in front of the the, the yes. back that back too, because lacking a little pace. But frankly, as I said, Stockwell could play wherever he wanted. I, and I think be. I think maybe he, he could stick him ahead of them in a kind of a number 10 position if it's a team we'd expect to. Mm-hmm. I don't know who I'm talking about. This is all hypothetical, but you know, you could stick mm-hmm. him anywhere, couldn't you? But um, I did have a version of this team where Stockwell was right wing back. I think you mentioned mm-hmm. people have been doing that. But yeah, he's sitting behind and then that gives Majilton license to kind of sit and just spread passes and Marlon can dash forward, can't he? So, yeah. Well, look, I, hope, I hope everyone's joined us to uh, Rich Woodward's favourite Ipswich Town Eleven here on the Kings of Anglia podcast. I mean, it's great fun. I mean, it is, it is just a it is just a fun thing. I mean, just just throwing names, we're putting teams together. We don't care if that doesn't. We don't care if we, you think, oh, he can't play there. He couldn't be there. What's he doing? We don't. We, we, this is a super. We're already kind of a super team here with Rich, and we're now going into the. We're now going to do his now. But let's be honest. The strikers are sexy. We do all know that. We've had some great strikers Ipswich Town over the years. So, Rich, go on then. Hit us with hit us with your front three. My th- th- front three, there were there was some. There's two players that went straight in there. The two after Majilton and Holland. Um, I'll come to in a second. I had a lot of, yeah, second thoughts about this one, but purely just for entertainment value, um, he had to be in there. So my front three, left to right, are Martin Royster no. up front, Marcus Stewart, oh. right wing, which he won't like, but he could do a job. Kieran Dyer. Oh wow! There's some there's some players there, Rich. Go on. I, I like all of them. I must be honest. I like all of them for different reasons, for varying reasons. They're ter- three terrific favourite players. Go on then, Ma- Martin Rusa. Yeah, it was, this, this is the one I've struggled with because I think, to be fair, his his career did tail off a little bit, and I think in my team maybe he'd be really good as an impact player, and I think that's what Burley saw him as as well. But yeah. I just remember the Bradford game in the 2000-2001 season where the game was, we were 1-0 down to that rocket from Benito Carboni. Game going nowhere and then Royster scores twice. Game flips on his head. And there were so many moments like that, you know, trying to lob the keeper from the halfway line against Southampton from a free (laughs) kick. Do you know what I mean? He can make stuff happen. Um, And I think that set-piece danger, that's something that I wanted as well. He's definitely got that. Maybe a little bit a tad inconsistent, but just bought just for entertainment value and just for pure footballing kind of, he just doesn't care. I'm just going to try it. If it comes off great, if not, which probably winds up majority with my little formation thing, he's <laughs> alongside. He might get a few rollickings from Majorton, but I just think he, what I did have before, and this is, this is hot off the press literally before we, we started, I'd shifted Dyer onto the left-hand side. Dyer was always going to be in the team. I tried to get him in as a number 10. It just didn't work. Um, but I like the idea of Kieran Dyer being on the left and cutting in. And mm. to be fair, Royster and Dyer could do that. Mm. Um, I did have Jonathan Walters on the right instead mm. of Kieran Dyer. Because, yeah. again, another player where perhaps the expectations weren't particularly high. Majilton signing um, maybe kind of uh, struggled with his career and tumbled down the divisions, ended up at Chester. But what what he grew into, and particularly I just remember um, balls being pinged out to him on the right wing for him to win, win headers, mm. but could play up front. Um, was a focal presence again, a bit of a, a bully. Um, you know, the hat trick at Bristol City is a good memory. I've got the six nil, um, but he just missed out in the end because I. It's my favourite eleven, isn't it? It's not it's kind right. of what's a good functional eleven. So, I, yeah. Rich, listen, we are. This is your favourite eleven. If we, if I had a pound coin, 
if I had a 50 pence coin for everyone who told me my favourite level was completely useless because it didn't include BT, didn't include Hunter, didn't include Muren. And I said, look, it's my favourite. Anyway, so it's your favourite level. Absolutely spine and Rusa. And from a, from a journalistic point of view, I love Martin Rusa. I'll be honest with you, Rich. You're, I'm glad you've mentioned him because when I was green editor, he gave some great green headlines like Rolls Rusa. Yeah. And when Martin McCutcheon was number one in the charts with My Perfect Moment, we did that as well. Martin's Perfect Moment. <laughs> See, we had all these beautiful, I think he's called it's Fulham, I think. I can't remember. In one yes. little last minute. And, and the headline yes. that goes, yes, Martin's Perfect Moment, I remember, pointing because she was in the charts at the time. And I, and I think some of my fellow sports uh, people on the desk time accused me of pilfering, pilfering their headings. They said they'd already mentioned that, that the week leading up to it. But I, I hadn't heard them, I promise. But yeah. anyway. So you got to yeah. He had, some, he had some great headings for us, which was fantastic. And Marte, of course, not. well, Wembley 2000, Rich. Exactly right. And and that's probably the peak moment, depressingly for me, <laughs> in 2000, this time, <laughs> this time 22 years ago, wherever it is. And yeah, um, I think I said, it, did I say my first game was 20 years ago earlier at the start of the pod? 30 years ago. 30 man, years my ago. Ma- bloody hell, where does the time go? Yeah, um, that Wembley player final and that goal as well. Even probably the the, the goal that I'm there's three goals I think I shout the loudest for in my time watching Ipswich. I didn't sadly go to the Watford game where Chapman scored that last minute winner. That might <laughs> yeah. have been up there. But Royce against Fulham, I definitely remember going hoarse at that last minute winner. The Bolton goal where he kind of runs through similar to, to Barnsley yeah. and then that Barnsley goal. Yeah, he just scored moments, you know, those goals at critical moments. And so you kind of want one of those talismans in your team, don't you? And talking of goals at critical moments, Marcus Stewart. Yeah, I, my favourite ever Ipswich Town footballer. Uh, yeah, and and one of these ones again. There's there's a lot of again. This probably shows me as a bit of a nerd rather than anything else. But Marcus Stewart is one of the rare instances in this team where I was a massive fan of him at Huddersfield. Right. Um, I knew of him, and it's kind of one of those ones where you started to play football manager games. I was actually playing Premier Manager '98 at the time, and he was always one of those players. I think he scored quite routinely for us. I remember he scored in his debut for Bristol Rovers against us at start of the 91-92 season. Really young. But just one of, the, one of those rare instances as an Ipswich fan where we sign a player at the peak of their powers from a rival. It's never yeah. really happened since. And that signing just totally shocked everyone. Probably more Huddersfield fans, frankly, because mm. they tumbled yeah. down the league after that. But just the best forward at the division at the time playing for us. You know, he had a good start, tailed off a bit, and then just, again, scored at Wembley. But 2000, 2001, just totally just set the league alight, scored some just lovely instinctive goals, creative goals. Um, You know, one of my good memories is off the shoulder, probably meant to header it, but off the shoulder against Arsenal at home at the start of that season. But yeah, those two Bolton goals, I, I, I just can't, you know, can't get past them. So Marcus Stewart is my of, of my favourite eleven. Is my favouritest of the eleven. Favouritest of the eleven. Excellent. But I mean, quite honestly, you're absolutely right. I mean, and Marcus Stewart has appeared in so many of these favourite elevens. And I, again, I'm talking about people who've seen Town back in the back in the you know in the in the great Robson days. Still, Marcus Stewart can 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 compete. 
you know, against against some of those top players. You know, so it's fantastic. He was he's a great lad. I mean, you know, we, we got to know him quite well at the East Anglia Day Times. We did columns in the green and stuff. He was only here a couple of years seasons, though, only two or three seasons. It's yeah. bizarre that such a short period of time. You go back to you know, Robson's I mean, apart from Muir and Tyson, who weren't that long, but I mean, a lot of the players were there for decades, you know. And I don't know how many appearances Marcus made for him. It weren't that many, even probably 120 or something. It was couldn't have been, wouldn't have been two or three hundred or anything. Um, yeah, good shout. And finally, of course, well, young Kieran on the, yeah. on, on the right. Just one more bit on Marcus Stewart as well. And, mm. and, and the um, the promotion, um, whatever, the 20th, 30th, <laughs> I keep getting my 30s and 20s mixed up, 30th anniversary video that. Um, Kings of Anglia or, or Andy, Warren, Andy, Andy, Andy Warren Andy did. did. Yeah. What a great piece of footage that is. The highlight of that video is, I think it's Andy asks Marcus Stewart, what does Ipswich Town mean to you? Yeah. And he sheds a tear. And yeah. that for me is, you know, you're right. He wasn't with us for too long, but those memories, him showing that those memories mean as much as him to him as they do for us is something that I, you know, just endears him even more. So a good shower for that. If if Ross is doing some video editing or whatever, it'll stick a stick a link in the top right hand corner, Ross, because um you can find that video and just enjoy that moment. But and Andy, and Andy actually, sorry to, to interrupt there, Andy showed me that clip before he actually put the whole video out. He said, have a look at this, because he knew I knew Marcus quite well from the Greenland days. And he, and I was, wow. And he said, yeah, and it was completely just happened. He said, and I said to Marcus, are you happy for me to leave that in? And Marcus, because obviously had to do it again and he had to ask the question again, you know, what's it mean to you? And Marcus turned said, yeah, leave it in. Yeah. And, but Andy said, gosh, even he was like, wow, that is so powerful. You know, he he really, it really did me a lot to him. Yeah, and Another person who features in that video is, I think he's the first person that you see. Yeah, he is. Is Kieran Dyer. And, um, you know, Kieran Dyer, it's, it's, it's kind of tinged with a little bit of disappointment and sadness. Inevitable that he was going to leave the club mm. um, after that missing out um, in 98-99. And, you know, he's another one who tried to drag us over the line single-handedly as well, scoring looping headers from out of nowhere. And, you know, his sadness at full time, chucking his boots into the North Stand and all that kind of stuff. But, in the team just because he could play anywhere across that that front line really um probably preferred to be a number 10 or, or play centrally but out on the right it's got pace it's going to score goals but again mr ipswich um but for me is probably maybe the greatest product of our youth academy um and again what I really recommend reading his book, really honest, and did does a great interview, done, done interviews with us, I'm sure with you, and done one with um, Renegade Statman recently, and just one who, again, his career is kind of tinged with disappointment and sadness, mm -hmm. you know, tried to do things the right way, and just events conspire around him and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but, you know, big moments for Ipswich, you know, we talked about that bottom game, but scoring against Watford with a broken leg, you know, scoring that goal against Stockport, running the length of the pitch and dinking it over the keeper, you know, just quality footballer. Um, and yeah, I could not have him on my team. I remember he lobbed, um, I remember going to a, a sports a sports dinner and I'd asked him for a shirt from, he was at Newcastle at the time. I was good friends with Kieran and and um, he said, I'll get you a shirt. And I thought, okay, but I didn't see him often. And he scored a goal against at Everton for Newcastle where he lobbed, he, he, he flicked the ball over a defender's head. This is in his own half and ran and the ball bounced once, it bounced twice and he then lobbed the keeper from about 30 yards for Newcastle. This was not Ipswich, Newcastle against Everton. And um, fantastic goal. And the shirt appeared, um, his, his mum phoned me and said, Kieran's left the shirt in his front porch he popped home last night or whatever from and he's gone off again and it was that shirt from that game still covered in dirt mind you and muck but raised about 600 quid for this a charity we think we went to which is fantastic great player um 
and, and, and Ipswich through and through. And people, and that's six million quid, right, that we got off Newcastle that year, helped George Burley. You know, you talk of Marcus Stewart, you talk of Gary Croft, we talk of John McGreal. These players all came because Kieran Dyer had cost, cost us nothing, had suddenly got six million quid for him from Newcastle. Yeah, uh, and that's the kind of the, again the sadness kind of tinged yeah, with it absolutely. as well. He wasn't part of that team, but as you say quite rightly, you know what a difference that money made to the club at the time, and mm. you know Jermaine Wright in there as well yeah. with that money. Um, but yeah, I, I think again, kind of poignant moment is him applauding the team at the Wembley playoff final in his England yeah. tracksuit. So, you know, yeah. an international. Um, you know, there's there's quite a few internationals in in this eleven, yeah. and. Kieran should have made more England appearances. I'm sure, you know, he looks back on that and, you know, man, what, you know, not many of, not many of, not many people in society make it as footballers, even less make it as international footballers. And so kid from Ipswich through the academy, Mm. um, Premier League player, international. Yeah. It it was, he was the third name on the team sheet um, behind Magill and Holland and then Marcus Stewart after him. Fantastic. Well, look, Rich, hey, look, I think, now look, excitedly, excitedly, we now have your 11. And I've forgotten what it is already. So you're going to have to just take me through it before you have a few subs and then the manager. Just a couple of subs. Oh, wait, I mean, you have actually, you can have eight subs because I think, I can't remember who had eight subs. Oh, somebody, I can't remember. It might have been, uh, it might be Keith Dell. I can't remember. Somebody had eight subs because they just got, just want to go crazy. But what's yeah, the team again then, Rich? Yeah. So uh, from front to back, Craig Forrest in goal, um, back four of Cresswell, DeVos, McGreal and Tariko sitting in front of them, providing an ever dependable shield, the um, ever the, the Duracell bunny that is Mickey <laughs> Stockwell, um, the creative and the dynamism of Matt Holland and Jim McJilton in centre midfield and the front three um, scoring from the halfway line or trying to score from the halfway line, Martin Royster. Um, running in, cutting in, tricking, um, skinning his markers, Kieran Dyer, and up front, dropping the shoulder twice, three times, and then slotting it in, Marcus Stewart. Mm. And captain like is Matt Holland, obviously. Obviously. I like but there is, but there, is I, I, there are I, I, captains I like throughout that team, Mike. That's also what I was after as well. Yeah, you have got captains throughout that team. I like that team, though, Rich. Good. Nice. I like it. I like it a lot. I think a lot of people go, hmm, nice. And this, that's a nice team. So that'd be exciting. I pay to watch that all day long. Um, yeah. Subs then, Rich. Hmm. So I'm a bit light, obviously, on the field with front men. So um, th- this was quite easy. I-, I've, I have put John Walters on the bench. Um, I have to because of the reasons I talked about. He's he's probably one thing I guess that you would say this team lacks is maybe a physical presence. Um, and it's possibly a team that is dependent on playing the ball on the ground. So John Walters allows you to mix it up. Um, and I think probably Darren Bent has got to be on the bench as well. He was close in there. I'd quite like the idea of a... Marcus Stewart, Darren Bent. I don't think we saw that partnership when in 2001, 2002, maybe maybe towards the end of the season. But yeah, another youth product, just a goal machine, Darren Bent, you know. Um, and another striker that I put in there, Chris Kiwombia, was again, yeah. similar to Craig Forrest, just one of those players that like, heartbroken when he left for Arsenal, um, but just quality football and, and someone who was kind of just getting to his peak with Ipswich and then yeah. obviously the Arsenal move didn't really work out for him. No. Um, in midfield, yeah, Tommy Miller's got to be in there. I've got to have a penalty taker in there, Mike. You know, if we're no. in the 119th minute of extra time in a playoff game against another hyper, hypothetical favourite 11, I need to bring him on to take penalties for me. So <laughs> Tommy Miller in there. And again, a, a goal scorer, two spells, three spells even, I think. Didn't he? 
Tommy Mullican. I don't know. Three. I can't remember two or three. But it's, uh, you, you, I'll tell you what, you're talking about a player who, again, a lot of people have mentioned it's because, you know, again, Tommy Miller, do people think he went under the radar? Well, obviously, he quite clearly didn't because a lot of people remember him for that great couple of seasons with, with Shefki and, and Bente. Yep. Um, I had, I, I saw the, the kind of latter stages of John Walks career oh, and yeah. he was he was in that mickey stockwell spot but then i thought deboss mcgrill john walk oh this is this is a very one-paced defensive it's, back line so, you don't you don't mbappe up against them probably it would have been no, one <laughs> no. <laughs> um so yeah he's i mean it's, it's a weird thing to say john Walk. i'm putting john walk on the bench right um why not but again you know i didn't see him at the peak of his powers um but i did see him score free kicks against leicester and i did see yeah you know, that you could tell that just culture player. And, you know, I, th- I think the, the best players who can read the game, who can see the game often move their way back down the pitch because yeah. obviously they can't do the running, but they can read the game and they know the instincts of the players they're coming up against because 20 years ago they were doing that themselves. So Walkie's mm. just probably, it's, it's a weird one when you kind of think what how lucky we are as a club to have players we talk about like BT and Mariner, I just don't think John Walk gets, you know, he's mm-hmm. obviously still around, which is great. And I just think we should, where, where's the statue for Johnny Walk, Mike? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I was lucky enough to see him play through all those years. Obviously, I mean, yep, when's the next Ipswich Town player going to get 38 midfielder, get 38 goals in a season? I think we'll be around for many more years before that ever happens. Yeah. Quite frankly, if we dropped out the National League, which well, we won't, obviously, we're going back, we're going up, not down. But you know what I mean? I, yeah, I mean, he was... He was awesome. I mean, he was just, he just had this knack. It was, it was bizarre. He just used to have this knack of being in the right place at the right time. And bear in mind, he was in a team of goal scorers as well. So it's not as if he was the only man who could score a goal. I mean, yeah, well, there you go. That's a, that's a thought. So, yeah, I've, I've realised that I'm, I'm lacking midfielders, but I've, my team is so front and back skewed anyway. I don't think that's a problem. Um, so, yeah, Walkie's in there. Um, in terms of defenders, I, I've mentioned Titus. He's, he's got to be in there. Um, just for that one season, I wasn't mulling it. I, I, it's my it's my sub, so I can do what I want. And you can do what you like, Rich. Eleven, isn't it? Do what you like. Ian Westlake. Ah, yeah, is yeah. on my bench. Yeah, from why not? yeah, the I, I guess it was the, what season was it? Oh four, oh five, I think. Just absolutely burst on the scene. You know, someone whose career sadly tailed off. I don't, I'm not sure the the background behind that, but again, he was one who was single handedly trying to drag us up the pitch, scoring goals, Sheffield United away, a lovely shot across the keeper low, just scored lots of goals um, from this part of the world as well, came through the academy. And I think, did he hit the post in the last minute, in the very last minute against West Ham at Upton Park as well, but just had dynamism and energy. Um, I think maybe people don't look back and remember Ian Westlake's Mm. contribution to that team, because as I say, it, it wasn't sustained, but Kind of, yeah, similar. He did, he did very well. He did, yeah. And, yeah, did very well. Very local and out playing a bit of local football as well. I think for Needham Market. Yeah. I mean, it's not the as he dropped down, but that's not the point. He was, he was, yeah, part of Joe Joe Royals. You know, it was, it was a, it was a good, it was a good player. Yeah, I, I, I just chuck him in there just for because he's probably a name that people haven't thought about for a while. Uh, yeah, Titus. Um, again, yeah. probably predominantly for that 01, um, 2000 and two thousand one season. Again, just from out of nowhere, if you know a couple of loan spells um, side on the sidelines, and suddenly he turns up in a preseason friendly. I think it was was it Fiorentina, maybe. I think we played a big team in a, in a preseason friendly at Portman Road, and Titus is in the team, and you kind of think, wow, you know, he's given himself a real opportunity to be in the team, and lo and behold, he's in the team, and mm. and he 
that's the kind of tradition that you want Ipswich Town managers to follow is if if they're good enough, they're old enough kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. and what a season he had that goal against Sunderland. The one home game, Mike, that I missed that season was oh. that Sunderland game. But it's one of my favourite goals to post on Twitter because. He just, he, he, you it just kickstart, get... it kickstarted us, didn't it? It kickstarted it us. You know, that, that again, it was one of those iconic goals that just, well, are we, how are we going to get on in this league? How are we going to get on? How are we going to cope? How are we going to be a good enough? Are we, you know, all the questions and suddenly they were answered and that win, you know, over Sunderland was, was yeah. right out there because suddenly we've got a bit of confidence and off we're going, you know. Exactly right. And uh, a great run from Bramble oh. in the finishes yeah. is unerring. The, the the two best bits for that, uh, that goal, apart from the goal itself, obviously. Um, is Marcus Stewart's little dinked pass to play him in, by the way. Watch that back. I'll, point, yeah. I'll, re, I'll retweet that. But Marcus Stewart's pinpoint kind of volleyed pass to get Bramble in behind. But the celebration at the end. Where yeah. it's kind of like, what do I do? I, 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 this, I don't <laughs> score goals, guys. What do I do? And he gets piled on instead, which, you know, and that kind of sums up, sums up the kind of the man, I think. We don't, we don't hear a huge amount from, from Tyson. Um, and I imagine he's probably quite humble. And, and if we'd hear about him, he'd probably play down maybe his success a little bit but at the time what a big player he was and mm. you know still and played lots of tens of games in the Premier League as well another well, he went off to Newcastle and Sunderland didn't he played for both those you know Champions League stuff so brilliant right so is, is that how many subs is that Rich in the end I, I, I'll chuck a keeper in, I, I, they got a, keeper as well you, it was a toss up but it was a toss up between Wright Richard Wright and Craig Forrest um, ah yeah, for said to be sentimental reasons, I went with Craig Forrest, but Richard Wright probably the the best keeper overall. I think in in my time watching Town, and again heartbreak when he left for Arsenal, wasn't it? So um, yeah, exactly. again, it, it kind of keeping the theme of maybe that's this is an insight into me and my, and my personality a little bit. Go have a bit <laughs> of sadness in there, Mike. You know, the, the lights and the shades. That's what we mean. don't don't overthink it, Rich. Don't overthink no. it. That's what I, I'm the same as you. I but I say to myself, don't don't overthink it, Michael. You're you starting to overthink things now. No, it's nothing to do with it. It's just you. You've got your favourite lemon, and these are the people. But uh, well, that's brilliant. Well, uh, before you tell us your manager, then Rick, let's go to those subs again. You, you, you now you, there were so many in the end. I got carried away. Yeah, I, uh, this will be a test of whether I can actually even remember them. So John Waters uh, is in there. Darren Bent is in there. Uh, Chris Kiwomir is in there. Um, Tommy Miller's in there. Ian Westlake's in there. John Walk's in there. Um, Tyus Bramble's in there. I think I've missed someone out, probably. Richard Wright. Richard Wright is in there. I think I missed someone else as well. I'm sure people will tell well, me. But... Well, that's perfect. Anyway, lot, big, sub, big subs bench. That's, we don't care about that. Right, who's the manager? This is going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean... It, do you know what? I was really close to going Kieran McKenna, but I think he needs to he need a few more games under his belt. But um, one of the few Ipswich Town managers I've actually had the chance, the pleasure to speak to and just has an aura about him of just total in, um, intelligence, emotional intelligence, football IQ, and clearly a very gifted coach. I've got really high hopes for him. I just hope um, that all of the success that we all hope is going to come comes to fruition. And also that if that does happen, he sticks around as well, because what a legacy he could create here. Mm. Um, but I, it was a, it was a no brainer really for me. Um, it was George, George Burley's mm. in charge. Um, and you know, the three years leading up to, well, and the, the season, the 2000, 2001 season, just for me, my, my highlights, my, my, the best mm. times for me, watching Ipswich Town. So for that reason, again, he's probably the coach that's going to bring the best out of this quite attacking team. So it was a no-brainer, though. 
one apart from McKenna, which I think was just in there just so I could talk about him briefly. <laughs> Joe Royal. I'd be interested to get your thoughts on Joe Royal, Mike. Do you think, obviously, there was a little bit of this weird Norwich thing that I don't think ever was a real thing. You know, obviously, he was a player there. And that was maybe, and, and the Man City thing maybe was a, more of a factor that people just didn't really get take to him. In terms of entertainment and in, in terms of a, a good high caliber manager and knowing what would happen after he left, do you think Joe Royal gets it doesn't get the credit he deserves? I don't think he does. I don't think, I mean, that was it was an extraordinary little period of time for Joe. He's got, you know, was it two playoffs? He got us two, two playoffs, uh, you know, um, with no money. I mean, this, this is Admins the thing. As well, yeah. This is not a guy who was given 10 million quid to go and strengthen up or do it, you know, he had no money. I mean, a really down to earth solid nice guy scouser had that scouser about him was was i mean i remember in the sports department as i said i, I think i mentioned this before on this pod you know you say phone me up at eight o'clock every morning i'll give you a line for the newspaper wherever whatever the latest is what's happened overnight you know always was always very pleasant and he got a, he got a lot out of that team a lot out of that team and you know we were damned unlucky not to go up in one of his two seasons in, in those playoffs to be honest and and you know, the, the football, the brand of football. I mean, Shefky, who would play Shefki Kuchi? I mean, how many managers would pick him and put so much faith in him like Joe did? I mean, Joe was a big, strong striker himself, wasn't he? But Shefki was not just that. I mean, Shefki would be the first one to admit he wasn't a great footballer. But my God, did Joe Royal bring something out of it. And of course, yeah. with Dan Ben. And, and then Tommy Miller as well. We talk about Tom, in, in a lot of other clubs, Tommy Miller would just been ordinary. But, one, but he ended up being a really top player for us and, and, and great memories. And Joe Royal... Yeah, I think he wasn't there that long. That's probably why people don't over-remember him. Then we went to the Majilton era. And then, of course, then we've had the, the, the everything that's happened since. Of course, Joe was sort of squashed between the great, exciting George Burley era. Oh, I know it ended disappointingly, but it was obviously a great period of time. And, and perhaps it just got lost. Perhaps Joe just got lost in just the, from the, into Burley, you know, and everyone was so disappointed what happened with George. You know, because we hoped it was going to go on forever like Bobby Robson, didn't we? I mean, that's yes. we hoped George Burley was going to be on for another 10 years like Bobby. Yeah, um, and that's the sad. That was, you know, part of why I kind of thought twice about George Burley because you know the the lows that followed were really low, weren't they? Yeah. And arguably set us back. Yeah. You know, I mean, we got close to the playoffs. I think in when Joe Royal came in, I think we ended up just missing out. I think seventh, mm -hmm. maybe. Seventh, right? Um, yeah. And but yeah, I just yeah, I think just because of the way that Burley just, you know, he he brought the Bobby Robson way of yeah, doing things back to life, didn't he? And well, the thing with Burley was that he had almost the same start that Robson had pretty mm. poor, to be honest. I mean, Burley's first few months, six months were very ordinary. And of course we had the main night defeat and then the start of the next season wasn't that great, but then it started to build. Well, that's exactly what happened with Robson. You know, you know, the story of Robson and the Cobolds and, you know, taking yeah. fans are calling for Robson to go. He'd only been there sort of six months and the Cobolds like, gave him a longer contract and apologized apologize to, to, to Robson for the fans' behavior, that type of thing. That's how the cobbles, you know, and, and then it started to slowly build. And you thought that's what jo and George was doing it, wasn't he? I mean, it was, he, well, he did it, he did it, you know. We got there and he did it. And then you just wanted it to continue. So I think it was such a big disappointment when it all started to go wrong. And Joe then followed, obviously, he wasn't, you know, and, and maybe Joe was just sort of lost a little bit in that the club had just, bleh, even though we still got to two playoffs and the West Ham games were absolutely terrific. I mean, mm. Remember them greatly. So. Should have gone up with anyway. Hey ho, that's hey, that's hey, the yeah, that's Rich. Ipswich Town fans, isn't it? That's what we. Yeah. Quick word about the future, then, Rich. Looking forward to this season, and uh, you've mentioned Kieran McKenna already. Ooh. I mean, um, yeah, yeah but I say a quick, quick couple of thoughts about what were you? Well, go on then. What Ipswich Town got to do? What do you think about this season? Yeah, I, I, I guess 
the, th- the thing that still bugs me about League One is what we're going to do against the teams who like to just sit back and contain. That, for me, if we can figure out an antidote to that, because we dropped so many points against those kind of teams, you know, Cambridge at home definitely sticks in my mind. Morecambe away, Cheltenham, you know, we, we just, if if we can figure out that, and obviously we can't read a huge amount into need a market, but just the movement, the flexibility that McKenna's trying to build into that that team, I think there's a little bit more recruitment to go, personally. Um, we might need some players to leave first, but it's one, it's, it's a rare time where you've got fans on side, you've got ownership fully motivated and switched on, you've got a manager at the peak of his powers. And in terms of a squad, you'll, you'll, be, you'll struggle to find a better squad of players anywhere in League One. So the ingredients are there. You know, we, we're talking 16,000 season ticket holders in League One. You know, we're not a Sunderland who we're going to get potentially 40,000 or what have you. But at, at this level, we are such a massive club. It's not really worked out for us so far being a big fish in a small pond. But I think McKenna is wise enough and we certainly saw enough at the end of last season to give us hope and optimism. We just need to start the season strong. Just get those early wins under our belt. Yeah, absolutely. Play the kids in the the Pizza Cup and the League Cup. Stay in those as long as we can as well. And momentum, isn't it, Mike? And suddenly you've got that momentum. You become, you know, a force and teams don't want to play you. I think we've lacked that. We've always tailed off when we've built momentum under Lambert and Cook previously. In fact, we never built any momentum under Cook, do we? So I'm hopeful. Excellent. Well, that's great. I just, I just hope we get a few more. My biggest wish for Ipswich Town season is get a few more people in the box. That's what I'd like to see. Get Score a, few a set more piece. In the box. Score a set those, piece, Mike. Yeah. Set pieces. And when a cross comes in, there's three or four players in the box. I know they have to work damn hard because I guess some are going to have to get straight back again if it's cleared. But that's what I'd like to see. I'm sure I'm, oh, McKenna knows that. Listen, they not listen to Mirzy, so it doesn't make any difference. Anyway, yeah, looking forward to the season like you are, Rich. Rich, um, thanks for everything you do um, with, with your podcast and stuff. And thanks for giving us your time here on Kings of Anglia. And uh, what well, is a great... Uh, hey, let, let's wrap, finish it off then. Give us your... We won't go through all subs because I can't remember them either. But give us your, your final Rich Woodward favourite town eleven. Thank you, Mike. And I, I love these as well. So thank you so much for, for having Pleasure. me on and letting me talk through uh, my happy and sad times for supporting Ipswich. Um, my team, Craig Forrest, Aaron Cresswell, Aaron Cresswell, easy for me to say, Jason DeVos, John McGreal, Maurizio Tirico, Mickey Stockwell, Jim McGill and Matt Holland, the captain, Martin Royster, Kieran Darren up front, the man, Marcus Stewart. Thanks, Rich. Crime to football, Brexit to postal. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.
Channel Slash Audio.